Okay. Okay, and we are officially recording. We were having a little technical difficulty, but we are delighted to have Vicki Ward here with us today, To who just celebrated a one-year anniversary on the Substack app. So congrats on that, Vicki. Um, Thank you, Jessica. Yes, I've, I've loved following along and... Um, looking forward to what we're discussing here today regarding the piece you published last week about the invisible men in Epstein's orbit. Um, and, you know, what um, all of this kind of new revelations that are starting to unfold, particularly in the firing of Denise George, the Virgin Islands Attorney General. Um, and for those who don't remember or are new to the site, um, we met a year ago now at the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Vicki was very kind and engaging and informative. We would sit in the cafeteria and she would, you know, 20, she's been 20 years, 20 years and counting, right? On the case. Yeah. yeah. So she has, she's a wealth of knowledge and was always very nice to me. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you sitting down to answer some of these questions about this wild new story. Um, I'll let you introduce the piece and um, how you kind of framed it. I love it. Well, thank you, Jessica. It's really, really nice of you to do this. And I wish I had more answers because I think one of the things that you and I kind of have always agreed on is that um, at this point, it's it's a travesty, really, that um, we know so little. Um, and that Glenn Maxwell... Um, was really the tip of an iceberg here and there are many more people uh who should be held to account um and it's not clear at this moment of time um that they will be you know jeffrey epstein didn't pull off his sex- sexual trafficking ex- uh, enterprise by himself Glenn maxwell was certainly not the only person involved um in order to do that you know you need an awful lot of very wealthy powerful people a lot of men um it's an elaborate 30-year operation shrunken down into the uh, such a narrow version in that trial we both agreed on yeah yeah and you know a a lot of very wealthy and self-interested people who are going to keep whose whose interest it is in to keep grim secrets like that um secret which you know essentially is what happened um so you know yes i i've always i i made the podcast chasing Gillan about the invisible men and um uh you know i think that you know i wrote the, the piece on my Substack um last week because it seems very clear that the um very abrupt f- firing of Denise George, the Attorney General of the Virgin Islands, by the Virgin Islands governor, uh, who just fired her on New Year's Eve um, without giving any justification, just after she'd filed this lawsuit um, on behalf of the Virgin Islands against um, JP Morgan, claiming that, you know, uh, JP Morgan is culpable and basically um, knowing, knowingly doing business and fi- fund, you know, financing Jeffrey Epstein 
being his bankers, knowing that what he was doing was running um, a criminal sexual enterprise. And, you know, the lawsuit alleges that um, they did this primarily out of self-interest because Epstein was uh, bringing very, very uh, high net worth individuals to the bank, which meant they could not afford to lose him as a customer. Rather um, tantalizingly, and one has to wonder if this has anything to do with the reason Denise George was so abruptly fired, um, there, there are a huge number of redactions in this lawsuit, which is very unusual for a complaint that's being lodged in public court journalists have the right anybody has the right actually to go to the court and ask for them to be unredacted um it can be a lengthy process but we can see from the court records that jp morgan's lawyers and the virgin islands had a fight over what could be presented um in in public at this point and really all these all the redactions mean is that there are even more questions you know who are these people that jeffrey epstein brought to the bank as as an alleged quid pro quo um and you know what was going on um inside of jp morgan it's all those sections that have been blacked out on uh denise george's lawsuit I mean, that page is insane. It's, it's, it's almost like a joke. It's fully blacked out for those um, high net worth qu- clients, right? right? I mean, it's we've seen this. It's a continuing trend. They've been granted so many redactions, even the, in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. We saw that with the flight logs and yeah. so many other things. But I mean, this page that you posted where it's just completely black, it's just, I feel like that says everything. That's the whole, th- I mean, they just all of these, names are protected you know even all after all these years and you're like you're saying this is not normal for a case like this right no but it's not normal i mean you get most complaints um by definition you know that they're filed in in public in federal court so they're a complaint why would you have a redaction in a complaint it makes almost no, no sense right. um, and what's what's super interesting is that several weeks before this lawsuit was filed two other lawsuits were filed and they're all going to be heard um, together uh, they're all being filed with the southern district of new york and the the other suits that were filed were by were, were on behalf of um two unnamed jeff epstein uh, victims who have sued J.P. Morgan and also Deutsche Bank, claiming that you know, similar to the Virgin Islands, that claiming that um, you know what happened to them is is the fault of J.P. Morgan uh, in some respect because they claim that J.P. Morgan, you know, wittingly banked Jeffrey Epstein, knowing that he was um, using his money to facilitate, uh, you know, to run a, a, a criminal sexual enterprise and and you know the claims are very similar but what's interesting in the um in the women's suit is that they do get there aren't any redactions and they do get into much more detail about specific detailed allegations um 
as to who at JP Morgan they name as sort of being individually responsible um, for turning a blind eye to Jeffrey Epstein. And, um, and also they do name some of the other high net worth individuals, uh, Les Wexner, um, sort of being the most prominent one, um, that he is named in the Jane Doe's lawsuit um, as being somebody that JP Morgan, they claim, couldn't um, afford to lose as a customer. And so I think that is pretty interesting. Obviously, JP Morgan have said that they didn't know um, what was going on um, with Epstein, and you know that's the position they're going to play out. That you know they you know they, they didn't know, um, and um, you know. But it, I think that actually, I mean, I think I'll probably write another piece, Jessica, another Substack. Because I hope so. Having you know, having looked at these these lawsuits side by side, the differences in them are very interesting. Well, and, and I think I think they probably tell a story that is connected with the uh, sudden firing of Denise George. You know, I mean, it's it's now up to we're all going to have to dig to get to the bottom of this. Right. I think that if that story doesn't pique everyone's interest, then nothing will because you know she, she's outright named the bank as a financial co-conspirator, and then what's more alarming is the timing of it all. Her firing comes days after the lawsuit is filed. Uh, right. They're given no no reason, no jurisdiction, jur- justification given. Um, and then they kind of suggest there was an internal conflict between uh, George and the governor. Do you think that there's anything to that or is that just a, a front for the, you know, the the more obvious reason for firing her? Like they're suggesting that he had issues with her and it's not just because of this lawsuit, but right. common sense. Well, right. But so here's, again, what is puzzling about that. And, you know, I don't have answers, but I have a lot of questions. Um, what's puzzling about that is that if you go back and you look at local newspaper reports um, at the time, that Denise George was appointed by the governor um, four years ago now. He was really high on her, and he talked about wanting to give... that. He, he, he actually talked about the fact that the Virgin Islands is different from most of the rest of the United States because the governor is able to just hire and fire the attorney general, and he actually talked about the fact that this sort of made a mockery of the Virgin Islands Justice um, Department, and therefore he was he was going to give her the powers that would sort of put her above all of that. So it's a remarkable um, U-turn to then so publicly fire her. The other thing that's really puzzling is that you know precisely because of what I've just said. The Virgin Islands has been a bit of a joke. Um, you know, the Caribbean, rather famously, is, you know, one of the top um, 
money laundering right. <laughs> yes. And you know, and and you know, any any wealthy US citizens who want to go hide anything, you know, first stop, go somewhere in the Caribbean. And um and so the fact that the Denise George, on behalf of the Virgin Islands, has spent a lot of time since Jeffrey Epstein's death, um, basically putting, making, you know, she's the only one, the only uh, public uh, prosecutor who has really gone out of her way to follow the money. And obviously she's doing this because Jeffrey Epstein's, you know, money and trusts and businesses were all... Um, based in the Virgin Islands. But we also, you know, I mean, anybody who's followed this story knows that if you can solve the mystery of where Jeffrey Epstein's money came from and who was financing him, um, you can really uh, understand how this criminal sexual scheme got put together. None of it could have happened without the money, without the islands and the mansions it couldn't have all been so hidden from the rest of the world. And um, so I think that what Denise George did was really transform the, the, the Virgin Islands from a bit of a joke in terms of enforcing um, justice to actually a really significant player in, in you know, in terms of its legal um legal system and a lot of victims lawyers that I've spoken to were really looking to her um, to follow you know to, to supply us and I think the, the victims with answers and so for her to be so publicly fired at this moment is really staggering and there's no way that the governor didn't know that uh that, you know, that what he was doing would would attract enormous attention. That's that's what's so shocking to me. Of course, this was going to, you know, be a huge, huge deal. But and there's no quotes or response from her. Nobody's she hasn't released any statement right regarding her firing no, or I the. Think, actually, I think I did read something in the New York Times, but it was totally, um, you know, there was absolutely nothing. Um, meaningful. Right. Um, and I also thought it was very interesting that the governor's uh, spokesperson um, used very loose language when, you know, in response to the, the idea that this was connected to the, the, the suit she filed against JP Morgan. And um, if you look at his statement, I think that's the use of the word may or, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous um, in how much leeway they've, you know, what's the size of the loophole that's left them. Well, my other question reading it was, who are these two men that are named as his estate, um, the executives of his estate? You list, um, who are those men? Right, so, you know, it's a great... <sighs> That's a great headline for another Vicky. Ward I know, Vicky. We need like Substack. we need like fifteen series, fifteen series um, piece on this. So that is a great question because 
I think, you know, one, you know, it, it's so clear when you read the, um, the exhibit that was filed with Denise George's um, lawsuit against JP Morgan, she lays out this earliest complaint. She lays out findings and part of the investigations from the, uh, this earlier lawsuit, which, which basically was against the Jeffrey Epstein estate, which these two gentlemen that you've mentioned, Richard Kahn and Darren Indyke, who was Jeffrey Epstein's longtime lawyer, Richard Kahn is the accountant. Um, you know, if you read what's in the court papers, she has claimed, and remember this suit was settled for a very large amount of money, over $100 million, and plus half the proceeds of the sale of Epstein's um, New York house. Um, that, you know, that both Darren Indy and, and Richard Kahn were responsible for, you know, paying, taking cash out, um, signing off on a lot of the transactions that, um, that Epstein did under the guise of claiming it was, he was running a business when in fact, um, the money was being used to pay, um, all the different women. He, at one point in the laws and the papers, it um, she says that um, they were involved in sort of these forced marriages that some of the women around Jeffrey Epstein uh, were paid um, to undergo in order to to give people um, citizenship. And um, I mean, they they were clearly around Jeffrey Epstein and in it um, up to their eyeballs. Now, what happened was that when Jeffrey Epstein died, they did a deal with, um, they basically did a deal um, that would make them immune from prosecution. It was a sort of quid pro quo that they would agree not to be, that, that, that they would um set up the Epstein Victims Fund and um, basically, you know, pay victims who came forward who were deemed eligible, but in, in return, the Epstein victims had to agree not to sue them. Okay, so, so it's... this is one of those um, situations where I think, you know, a lot of people, uh, it makes a lot of people angry, but it is what it is. And and you say here a couple other really interesting points as far as suspicious timing and the connections is that you say Albert Bryant and Epstein, you think there's an obvious connection there. If you could just, well, just explain the whole, I, I've never heard of the data mining operation. And I mean, it made sense when I read it, but I just wasn't familiar with that whole footnote. Well, so yeah, so what happened was that um, what Epstein did was um, apply for all sorts of tax breaks, claiming that he was running this data mining business from the Virgin Islands. And what he claimed he was doing, which is why it had to be kept from public view and it had to be, you know, um, 
it had to be in the Virgin Islands. No one could know. There was such high secrecy. It was because he was, he claimed that he was um, using DNA. Um, the, the whole thing was a uh, people's DNA, um, I think, for some sort of um, cyber security enterprise. Okay. And, um, you know, the reason that obviously, in hindsight, that's interesting is because we do know that, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was obsessed with eugenics and, yes. that, you know, he'd wanted to produce a baby of himself and you know you know he was he was upset one of the things he was you know he was he was so busy talking to the scientists at harvard um who you know that who, who in the end um whether they knew it or, or not okay were part of the respectable front he created for himself um but anyway he 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 claimed that he was running this business very high tech, very private, very secret. And he got all these tax breaks from the Virgin Islands. And what we now know is that the governor um, was running uh, an economic economic development sort of authoritative body and that he did you know he he did um you know i, I think i speculated about it in my stuff that but in fact you know it's now clear that he he did give um epstein tax breaks it was him who signed off on it so they, they obviously so, had direct um communication and connection between these two men with right all of this right. and then and i think it's also emerged in local papers that the former governor um so his predecessor his wife worked in one of the companies Jeffrey Epstein. So I mean, you know, this is where you know, this is where you get back to the unfortunate image of the Virgin Islands and the Caribbean as being a place that um you know, where where corruption thrives. Um, you know, this was this was the image that Denise George had gone a long way to correcting. Yeah, that's why I think it was, I mean, we were all kind of looking forward to see seeing where that was going. And then this, you know, but, um, and then another crazy twist here is, and I have to make sure I'm even reading this right, because it is so wild, is that President Biden was staying at Brian's vacation house when all no. of this, no? No, 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 no. Okay. So, no, I looked into this because I, the, um, no, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that uh, Joe Biden met um, with the governor when he was vacationing um, on Sequoia. I think that um, um, the basically that it was it, it was pointed out by local journalists that when President Biden was vacationing there, um, that the governor publicly tweeted, you know. A suggestion wouldn't it be good if you know sort of you know america invested in um invested in the virgin islands but i don't think there's any suggestion that they actually met okay and then one other thing i would love if you could explain because this is a a big um point of confusion and it comes up constantly as it should but the power of the ndas and the payoff the victim payoffs i I think the number one question right now is with Ghislaine is everybody asking, you know, why doesn't she name names? Why doesn't she tell more than she knows? But 
is it, would you say that because so many of these victims have been paid, paid off in huge amounts, that there is no case, like even if she were to name names, it's kind of like a trap because it goes nowhere. There would be no one there to back up the the I think allegations. That, I think that that is really well said, Jessica. Well, it's it, it yes, it's I mean, a complicated thing. Like, yeah. But at the end of it, it comes down to money and this sort of she's in this sort of trap, right? Where if she wants to name names or wanted to, because she her brother was on record saying that she was not offered a plea bargain, which seems weird if you wanted to dive into this case and extend it and kind of work through the web of um you know abusers but how would you how would you frame that or explain how that well, works well you know i mean here's what my reporting has suggested um you know and it, this is very tricky um because it, but basically you know a lot the reason you know we sat through that trial and we were like wait a minute why is it that We've, we sort of, there are all these cameo roles. We hear of people, famous men, appearing on the flight logs once, and then we never hear about them ever again in that trial. Right. Um, you know, what, what is really going on? Now, what my sources have told me is that many of the, the victims were, did receive settlements, financial settlements, substantial ones, from... A lot of the men uh, who were involved in this ring, and as a result, um, we may never uh, be able to hold them to account. And you know, I talked in that Substack about you know that there's an irony here because obviously the reason Jeffrey Epstein, large reason Jeffrey Epstein was able to sort of hide from accountability for so long was that he had all these. Uh, NDA settlement agreements um, with so many of his victims. And so, in a way, the mechanism that was being used all along is just being continued. Um, what I explained in my subsite was that not all non-disclosure agreements are the same. And, and you know, unfortunately, um, savvy rich, powerful people who have very good lawyers will understand that um, the best agreements are ones where um, there are penalties on both sides if someone is to breach it. So somebody, so in other words, that you know, if, if, if somebody who'd been raped by someone came forward and broke an NDA and was in breach and... Um, the fear of that person if they weren't wealthy might be that even though they'd blown the whistle and ruined the reputation of the person they claimed was their rapist, that person would still be able to say, you breached the NDA and therefore, you know, you owe me this amount. Um, and, you know, so people are, victims are legitimately afraid of going bankrupt and they don't want to do that. Right. That, you know, that was a great point because I hadn't, I don't think I fully understood how the power of the NDAs and how exactly that worked, but. Um, well, not all the NDAs are written well or, you know, but. Well, I, I liked that quote. You, you said not all NDAs are, you know, created yes. equal. Um, and I know we're getting short on time because we're both counting down 
and <laughs> anticipation for the Prince Harry interview. I still have to figure out how I'm streaming that. So you probably are a respectable person with cable TV. I have yes. to I have to scramble, Vicky, to find out how I'm going to watch that. But my last couple of questions are, one, will you continue with this? Like, will we, can we expect more with this whole angle? And, yes. Okay. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, okay. you know, we haven't come this far down the road to quit now. And, you know, I think that the whole... You know the big the big story about around Jeffrey Epstein is is how power and money protected him, and it would seem as if that system unfortunately is still very much in place. And so, you know, I think we have to keep going bashing down doors, um, and you know, in order to to hold people to account. Um, I really do. I really do. I mean, it, it is extraordinary that we still know so little about yeah. who he really was, what, you know, where the money came from, that there are still all these unanswered questions. When at this point, um, he must be one of the high, most high profile criminals, um, you know, of the last century. Oh, for and, sure. And yet we still know so little. Yes, it's it's mind blowing. Um, and then latest news that we can close on is Ghislaine Maxwell has hired a new lawyer. She has Harvey Weinstein's lawyer who was successful with his appeal in New York. Um, what do you think that what do you anticipate that looks like that process and uh, the likelihood of any success there? Well, it's interesting, Jessica, because, you know, the reasons he has cited so far, right, that he's going to appeal on are reasons that we we sat there and watched. Right. Um, you know, we were, you know, we knew that she had said the conditions in um, prison and what, you know, in New York were intolerable. Um, and, you know, there was this huge issue. He's also going to say that the judge, Alison Nathan, who, you know, we sat through in her courtroom right. uh, for months, you know, made mistakes in her rulings. And the chief mistake he's going to point to is the jurist um, who didn't, uh, you know, who came out afterwards and said that he had been a victim of sexual abuse, but he hadn't disclosed that on his jury form. And so, you know, we know that back in the day, back in that courtroom, Glenn Maxwell's lawyers absolutely tried to get, get the case dismissed because of that. Right. They weren't successful. Now, you know, it was, I, I asked a lot of prosecutors, um, you know, for their another sort of, uh, you know, former judges, you know, what their view of that was. It was a little touch and go. Um, it could have gone either way. Um, so... Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, having said that, I, you know, this is a totally subjective opinion. I thought Alison Nathan run a very tight uh, ship and it, um, you know, was very careful in um, in that trial. So I don't know how much clout Glenn uh, Maxwell have, will have on appeal, but I guess we wait to see. Yes, there's always there's always something. But thank you so much, Vicky, for answering all these questions. Um, I loved this piece and I think... I can't wait for more into it. I know you're going to 
continue with all of this. Where can people find you? What projects are you working on? Where can we read and follow all of your work? Oh, it's amazing, Jessica. Thank you. Um, on Vicky Ward Investigates um, on Substack. Okay. And then uh, I'm probably not yet able to tell you I've got a very big, um, in, just like Chasing Gillen was, I got another Audible original that will come out this year that I've been spending a huge amount of time. It's another big investigation. Oh, I can't. When um, I get off the phone, you better tell me, Vicky, because will, Chasing... No, I, can, I can tell you a little bit. I mean, Chasing Ghislaine was my favorite podcast of... I, I've listened to it well, probably this, three this times. This one is going to be, I think, really good. Um, it, I, it, it's, it's, it's very surprising. Um, it's about the conservative capture of the Supreme Court. Um, that sounds very dry. Trust me, it's not dry. And w- <laughs> what time frame is that looking like? When do you... That will, that, that will be a um, summer-ish. Okay. So you've been busy, uh, as always. I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure be, there's going to be another book pretty soon, too. So I will keep you posted. Keep me posted on everything. And for now, um, go set you know, settle in and watch our Harry on TV. Yeah, we'll regroup and touch okay. on that. Okay, have a good night and thank you so much for talking thank to you. us. Thank okay. you, Jessica. Bye. Bye.